Welcome to the Close to Home podcast, where we welcome you into meaningful conversation on finding purpose, keeping faith, and navigating life as a military family. Let's dive deep into those hard topics that hit close to home. Welcome back to the Close to Home podcast. We're sitting here recording our second episode, which is honestly really exciting. And I just want to thank everyone for tuning in for the second episode. Thank you to everyone who listened to the first. Thank you to everyone who rated the podcast and followed us on our social channels. I just really want to shout you guys out. Everyone has been so encouraging and so supportive, and it just means so much to have so much encouragement um, and positive feedback behind something that we've worked really hard on. Yeah, it's crazy that when I went to work, I had a couple of people mention it on our Instagram. I think it's called a reel. I'm really not Instagram savvy <laughs> at all, but I think the reel that you posted mm-hmm. got 3,000 views, was uh, it? Yeah, it's over 4,000 now. That is, guys, thank you so much. It, we're so blessed to be in this position. I, I just can't believe it. I'm beyond excited to be here continuing to do this without my computer setting on fire or our house getting taken away by a tornado because, man, with the files that got corrupted and the microphone that went down, I just was like, what, why, why, What's what am I doing wrong? Do we just not do this? But we're here, we're here doing this and we wanna continue to do this. So thank you guys so much for all of the love and all of the support. We're very, very excited to be able to sit here together and provide you content that hopefully you can take something positive out of it, whether it's for you know you as an individual or if it's for a bigger purpose. We're just so glad and, and happy to be here to kind of grow and develop together. For those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, or maybe you skipped over the first episode, we really want this podcast to be a place where we open up deep, intimate, honest discussion mm-hmm. on marriage, military, lifestyle, Um, And we want these first few episodes to be very candid, very casual, just kind of opening up the floor for you guys to get to know us on a more personal level. And today's episode is actually going to be um, how to survive the first year of marriage. It's going to be all the things that we learned in our first year of marriage. We are coming up on three and a half years now, but on our first wedding anniversary, Chase and I sat down with a notebook and we each wrote up some points that we had learned within the year, just kind of advice that we would give to others. And this was actually supposed to be a YouTube video idea and we never did it. I don't know why we had full intent on recording a video, but now looking back, I think it was always meant to be for this podcast. And I'm really grateful for that because I feel like Honestly, our first year of marriage was the hardest year of our marriage so Mm -hmm. far. It was really challenging. It was a very overwhelming and isolating year, and we will dive deep, deep into that in a later episode. But just looking back on these notes that we wrote, it kind of makes me emotional because I thought that we had matured a lot in that first year. We really had to grow we really had to grow in many different ways. But now looking back, I'm just like, wow, we've continued to grow and mature so much. Yeah, exactly. And I just kind of want to hit on that point. When we wrote this, I mean, almost two and a half years ago at this point, you'd think that the things that we wrote being so young might not apply or wouldn't have been something that we matured and grew Mm -hmm. from and use this kind of like a jumping off point. But the more that you and I went through and developed our notes a little bit further for this episode, the more we realized, dang, this, like we were onto something even very early on, but we've developed so much from that, that it's not as though they don't apply to us anymore, but we definitely have a lot more wherewithal and insight as to each of these kind of points that we have and how it applies to people who are in a young, committed relationship, marriage, long distance. I mean, the list goes on and on. I think that We did a good job back then, kind of narrowing down kind of a top 10, because it's 10, right? Yeah, like a top 11. Oh, dang it. (laughs) A bonus. Top 10 plus one list of things that are applicable to young marriage. And I think we did an awesome, awesome job with it. So I'm very proud of not only just this podcast holistically thus far, but also, I mean, I don't know how. We couldn't have known that this is where we would Mm -hmm. be. That's just so incredible. Like we're so blessed to be where we are and to have that written down and we kept it all this time. It's just, that's how I knew this was planned from the start Mm -hmm. for us to have this medium to where we could expand upon it rather than just go through a little brief video because that would have looked completely different than what we're doing right now. So I'm just so, I don't know. I'm really excited to get into this. 
I am too. I know most of our audience are newlyweds, and I hope that this episode brings value and encouragement to you. If you feel like you're going through a really hard year in your marriage, or maybe you're just having a rough start, you're not alone. Um, We completely got robbed of the honeymoon phase. If you feel like that's you, don't give up. Keep going. Um, It does get better. Just you got to kind of dig your heels in and try your best and reach out for help if you need it. Um, I just wanted to, I, I don't know, I just really hope that this podcast episode reaches who it needs to. Yeah, and not to really hammer too much at this point, uh, I don't want anybody to listen to this and feel discouraged. Because when Marissa says that the first year was the hardest in our marriage, it's true. We had some very, very low lows, debilitating to an, a, a certain degree. But I think that I don't want to say that we are a modern day like success story in an arrogant way, but we are we are proof that when you when you kind of are able to push through and to love each other despite the overwhelming at times challenges that you're going to face as a very young and ignorant couple, I, I think that we are kind of an example of what you can be or what you can at least you know you can grow mm. towards, and and we're even still growing each and every day. So yeah, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit further. I, I don't want to spend too much time introing this, but, but yes, I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to this discussion we're about to have. Yeah. If you guys can't tell, we are very passionate about this topic. We yes. can seriously talk for hours, just going on and on and on forever. But yeah. for your sake, we will go ahead and just jump <laughs> right in. So the first note that we wrote down in our little notebook is let your expectations be known early on. Your spouse can't serve you, love you, or care for you in all the ways that you're needing or wanting if they don't know what it is you need or want from them. Mm. Define your roles and expectations as soon as possible. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's one thing that we realized very, very soon after we got married and we moved in together because we had never as a couple, I don't say that, I don't know, I feel like we don't, we didn't perfectly outline or define what our roles were. Like we were aware of it and we had spoken uh, to it, but Mm -hmm. not really outlined it, been like, hey, this is what I need from you and this is what I'm going to be for you. Does that sound cool? And then kind of had a conversation. I don't know. I I guess our situation is a bit unique because of how long we spent together in friendship and in relationship outside of marriage that I feel like we kind of knew each other, but that almost gone our way in certain uh, aspects because we didn't dive deeper into, oh, what do you need as a husband? And I never really thought that way at all in my younger years at whatsoever about what I need to be doing as a husband, as a provider. That I, I had a general idea, but I wasn't 100% sure as to how to go about it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, who we were as boyfriend and girlfriend is completely different than who we are as husband and wife. Mm -hmm. And I think the expectations and kind of roles that we developed as we were dating is completely different than what we were needing and wanting in a marriage. And we never talked about that. We went, we jumped right in from being this long distance couple to all of a sudden we're living together, we're husband and wife. Yeah. And that's a huge transition. And we overlooked a lot of the simple things like who takes care of the budget, who takes out the trash, who keeps the house, (laughs) who does the laundry who does the dishes, like those sorts of things. And that caused a lot of serious conflict. Yeah. And don't let marriage be the very first time that you take an honest look at your relationship Mm -hmm. because then you've already failed in that respect. And that's not to say that if you're listening to this now and you're like, man, I never talked about this with my fiance or with my husband or whatever, that's not to say that you can't, it's irredeemable. Yeah, it's never too late. It's never too late. You can have that conversation, but it is something that at least we believe you should actively search and and have with your significant other. That way there can be a more defined structure to your relationship because it's going to save you time and it's going to save you effort and probably heartbreak later down the road because you're not going to you're not going to have that kind of dysfunction in your relationship when something comes up and you guys are looking at each other, like pointing at each other, like mm-hmm. the Spider-Man meme, like, oh, hey, yeah. like, do you do that? Do you do that? Like, no, you do it, you know? So that's kind of my piece on it, at least. Yeah, and I feel like this is a really good transition right into our next point, which is the first year is a transition period. Be flexible and willing to learn, compromise, forgive, and adjust. Love that. And we also have like a little side note, um, transitioning from the we, or transitioning into a we mindset versus an I or me mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because you go throughout life 
on your own and you just think about how am I going to accomplish X, Y, and Z? What do I have to do for, I don't know, to make payments or to make ends meet, whatever it might be. And then once you start to integrate another person Mm -hmm. into that dynamic, you have to be thinking and acting as though it's a we. We're a cohesive unit because that's how you adjust and and you you succeed and love one another. And so instead of looking at your spouse across the table and thinking, I don't like this thing that you do. I want you you to change that. You evolve yourself and you kind of live in harmony with your spouse. And that's not to say that if they do something that drives you mad, completely bonkers, or they're doing something incorrect, hurt your feelings, you can't speak up. It's just saying that it's not as much me, 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 I, I, I. It's we, 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 and us. Mm-hmm. I like that we made that extra note of be flexible and willing to learn, compromise, forgive, and adjust. Because I think this piece right here was the hardest thing for me that first year. I think it's something that I've really just now kind of gotten better at. Yeah. But I feel like we jumped in already kind of having this... I know we already had our own lives kind of Mm -hmm. going. We already were like established as people individually. And I feel like we expected the other person to just jump right into that. And we didn't really, we weren't flexible at all. It was like, you're not meeting my expectations and now I'm mad. Yeah. And you have to be able to give some sort of grace to the other person because that transition is different for everybody. It can be easier for some and more difficult for others. And it's, it's kind of like that saying, and I used to really despise this saying where People would always say, love someone for who they are and not Mm -hmm. for who they aren't. But when it comes to kind of transitioning into a we mentality and and us in in communion with another uh, another person, I think that that is, it can be true. You know, it it can be true that you you need to be giving that kind of space for growth and for evolution Mm -hmm. rather than focusing so much on who they might not be as a person, I guess. Yeah, and I think it... This is where it gets really important to emphasize the compromise and Mm -hmm. adjustment piece because I feel like most people as humans, we want to nitpick. Yes. And instead of changing your spouse or like nitpicking the flaws that you see, adjust. Can you live with it? How how do you live with it? You know, because a lot of the times it's small things. It's yeah. small little things that like kind of like irritate us. Yeah, like I fart too much. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a perfect example. No, and I, I like where your head's at with that. And something I was just thinking while you were kind of speaking to that was it's okay if like your spouse might not be very patient or mm-hmm. if they're more gentle than than strict or whatever their characteristics are or their, um, I don't know, their mentality is because you could be, I mean, this this can be the case as well. You can be individually who you are, mm-hmm. but as a unit, you can be kind and charitable and loving, even if maybe as people, maybe I'm more patient than you are, or maybe I have more of a, of a quick reaction to anger or something like that. But that's not to say that I have to change who I am as, as a man right. necessarily, right? It mm-hmm. could be I can be my own person and have my own morals and character, but together you and I kind of bring out the best in one another and we are loving and, and kind and mm-hmm. patient, steadfast, all those things t- as, a, as a unit, I guess. Yeah, it makes sense. So our next point is identify and learn your love languages. <sighs> this man, I... This killed me at first because it can be so freaking irritating and difficult whenever you give love one way and you receive love a different way. So when they're not congruent, like if I don't care about gifts, which I don't, I don't care at all about giving or getting gifts, I should say. So me giving love, like the way I give love is I am very wordy, like words of affirmation or physical touch, but I, I don't receive like gifts. Mm-hmm. I, and I kind of, I'm kind of, I give love and I receive love in the same way. And because I'm, I have a blind spot for receiving gifts, I don't really give gifts. Like I don't, it doesn't click with me all the time that that's the way somebody might primarily receive love. And that can be a very difficult thing to get over because that takes a constant intentional effort every day to move in a positive direction. 
Yeah, and see, my love languages are acts of service mm-hmm. and gifts. Yep. And we went the first six months not knowing anything about love languages. We didn't We didn't even know that was a thing. We didn't even know those two words belong yeah. together. And so we had so many arguments because Chase would feel like he's just being this loving husband. He's just pouring love over me. And I felt completely empty. Like I wasn't, I wasn't getting anything from him and I was really upset by that and vice versa. I would be like showering him in gifts and, you know, doing these acts of service, you know, cleaning the house, like different ways that I show love to people. Mm -hmm. And he was like, Marissa, I don't like, thank you for that. But like, that's not doing anything for my love tank. Yeah. And so I'm I'm glad you mentioned the love tank because I kind of wanted to talk about that. So before I bring up, kind of talk about uh, the love tank and, and what that means, there's a saying that my coach in high school used to tell us on the football field. And that was every single day, you either get better or you get worse. You never stay the same. And that philosophy of there's no real stagnation, it's either progress or regression, Mm -hmm. you can take throughout anything. So when you think about somebody's love tank, you think about giving them love, you don't always think about the inverse, what you're taking from them. So if you go every day and let's say, I I don't provide an act of service like doing the dishes or folding laundry or providing some sort of material like get like some sort of gift to show that I'm thinking mm-hmm. about Marissa that not only doesn't fill up her tank anymore but it's actually detracting because now you're introducing questions of okay well why why is he not right. is he not loving me why is he not listening to me when I am telling him this is what I kind of need for love and affection so not you're not there's no just constant level of love you're either adding to that every single day or you might be kind of, uh, what What do you do? Siphoning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what you do, siphoning. You might be siphoning away the love from that tank. So I'm so glad that we read that book. It's The Five Love Languages, blah, 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 by Gary Chapman. Highly recommend, not only if you're in a relationship or a marriage, but I just recommend as a human, mm-hmm. you read it. Because it's so fascinating seeing just the intricacies of how other people love one another. And if I'm not mistaken, there's examples in that book as yes. well. Yes. And he also yeah. has a military version, which, yes. which goes yes. over how to love your partner in their love language during like distance, like deployment. It's a really good book. I really do highly recommend. No, it's on a yeah, must read reading list for mm-hmm. sure. But I think that rolls right into our next topic. So the next note that we made is marriage should be a 100-100 partnership. Mm-mm-mm. Yes. Okay, so the common saying is marriage is 50-50. And you know what's funny is that if you just think about that critically, you could have called the BS or you could have smelt the BS from a, a, a mile away on that. Because if you think about if marriage is 50-50, and I get what they're trying to say is out of 100%. Yeah, that, each putting in. Yeah, equal, of yeah. course. But let's say you have a really off day and you can only provide 25%, but I'm giving 50 that's 75 of 100. Mm-hmm. So someone's losing out on something. Somebody's not being provided for. Okay, so that now means that I'm giving 75, 25. Well, that doesn't really work either because, yeah, it makes 100, but you're still not in it all the way. That I never really liked that saying because it's like, oh, I'm half in, she's in it, half in, and that's – I get where you're going with that, but we really do subscribe to the notion that marriage is 100-100 because – not only for the fact that if you're having a bad time or I'm having a bad time, the other person can pick up the slack, but I truly do believe that marriage requires all of you to move mm-hmm. towards a positive direction. And that's something that I don't think thinking about marriage is 50-50 really jives with, in my opinion, at least, or I guess our opinion, because we wrote it down. Yeah, we've had many conversations on this, but we kind of We believe that marriage is the most important thing that you will ever work on. It is the most important thing that you will ever have. And so if you're not putting in all of you into your marriage, then where are you? Yeah. And the issue with not being fully in your marriage is just like the love language stuff we were talking about. You leave room for doubt, Mm -hmm. for questions, for the why is my husband, my wife, not paying attention to me, spending that time with me? Am I not worthy? Am I not worth it? It introduces these friction points and things that don't need to be there. Well, one of the things that can create a lot of friction is our next point, and that's don't speak in anger because there's going to be conflict no matter what. No matter how much you try to avoid it, there's going to be 100%. 
conflict is conflict is conflict. Like it's all around us. The enemy is always trying to sneak and slither his way into our lives. So there's never not going to be some issue within your life, within your marriage. And that's something that also, there's no need for extra stresses. Being married young is already so stressful by itself. When you speak in anger, when you do these things that we're talking about or don't do the things we're talking about, it just adds this complexity that you don't need whatsoever. There's there's no purpose There's no real purpose in speaking to your spouse out of anger unless you are trying to elicit more anger. Mm -hmm. I think it's funny that we wrote this when we did, Chase, because I feel like we've only recently (laughs) been applying it to our marriage. Yeah, I definitely was going to call us out on that. I, um, Yeah, we both kind of have different approaches with this. So one of the things that I made note of was you can take a break and put space between you either physically or mentally. And I'm not always good at the physical part of that. I like to resolve conflict immediately because it kind of gives me a sense of anxiety and incompleteness that otherwise I wouldn't feel if we were to just squash whatever it is. So for me, that's something I've really had to work on and and grow and pursue the, the solution for that. But yes, I, yeah, yeah, this is something that, I have definitely struggled with and we have had a hard time getting over. But I think over the past few months, we have kind of found ways and and kind of figured things out, especially, I mean, since this point, when we wrote that down, Mm -hmm. I'm sure we wrote that right after I said something snarky to you (laughs) out of just sheer, like, just irritants. Like, so yeah, I'm... I'm definitely proud of us for that because that definitely sticks out to me more than the other ones we've talked about thus far. Yeah, I think we've definitely been working at this more recently in the last few months. But mm-hmm. Chase likes to say that I'm a firecracker, which I, <laughs> I, I am. I'm very fiery. And so when we get into our arguments, my problem was always I wanted to just throw it at him right away. Like, I'm mad about this. I want you to hear me. Like, this is upsetting. And now I kind of have learned to rephrase those feelings, mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. instead of like, I'm so mad, I'm going to fire at him. I kind of rephrase it as like, this really upset me or this really hurt me. Like, how can we work to how can we work at it together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know you brought up the space thing, and that's something that we've also recent, recently been doing because mm-hmm. Chase's thing is he really is a lover. And so <laughs> when I'm just firing at him like a firecracker, he wants to suffocate that. And so he will just like come at me like, let me fix it. Let me help you. Let me hug you. Let me be all on you. See, because when, when fire doesn't have <laughs> oxygen, so if I suffocate it, it can't be more fire it yet it's just explosions yeah Yeah. that's like almost like claustrophobic for me so we've really learned that like the space part like the space piece is key but you have to do it right Mm -hmm. just take five to ten minutes cool off and then come back together don't just let it fester and don't Mm -hmm. um waste time being apart because then that just exacerbates it and prolongs the whole conflict yeah and sometimes it's beneficial to actually verbalize like hey I'm going to take a minute or we're kind of like to acknowledge the circumstances instead of just doing, yeah, turning around or storming off. That's not always as productive, but uh, I know what is productive is meeting, meeting conflict and rage with love and a gentle embrace. It's much more beneficial to come at your spouse in a more uh, understanding and nurturing way to where you're taking care of their feelings, you're taking care of their anger or what kind of started that anger rather than just chirping right back. And I'm super sarcastic and like to think I'm kind of funny. So I'm always quipping back and forth with people. And it does take a very conscious effort to go to that person and tell them, hey, I'm here for you and meet them with that kind of love because there's no alternative that really makes rage and conflict go away. It's not beneficial to meet rage and conflict with further rage and conflict. You know, something that people always say, and it's really hard to remember when you're in the middle of conflict, but it really is the two of you versus the issue and not Mm -hmm. the two of you versus each other. And that's so important to hold on to. Yes. I think that's pivotal to keep in the back of your mind for whenever you and somebody you care about get into some sort of argument. You're not mad at the person. You're mad at the action. You're mad at maybe an idea, but you're not mad at your spouse as a person or spiritually it, you're you're mad at something that might be incorrect or that you perceive as being incorrect. It's not the the, it's person. Not the person. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
Okay, so we're going to move on to the next point, and that is marriage doesn't mean you have to stop dating. Spend time connecting and growing as a couple. Flirt with one another, surprise each other, keep falling in love. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's actually really <laughs> cute, but I would change one word in that whole statement. Also, I don't know why I said word like that, word. I would change one word in that statement, and that's instead of marriage doesn't mean you stop dating, it would be marriage means you cannot stop dating. Oh, I like that. Mm, yeah, see, it's kind of nice because, okay, all right, when you get married, that doesn't mean you just won the gold and you can just chillax because your legacy's made. When a sprinter realizes he's out in front of the pack or running back realizes that, hey, there's an open lane to the end zone and I can score, they don't just stop in the middle of the field. They don't just stop in the middle of the track because they're going to get lapped. They're going to get beaten by something. Mm-hmm. And and you you can't do that. The finish line is not something that we can perceive. It's not what's here on earth. It's something that it goes well beyond this earth. Whether you are spiritual or not, you can, I think, agree that the finish line between a man and a wife is not what's done here on earth or in these moments that we share together. It's We have a finite amount of time. And so until that time is up on this earth, you're, you're always working towards something. It's like I said earlier, it's either your marriage progresses or it regresses. Mm-hmm. Every single day, you have to keep that in the back of your mind because you're going to just be taking and stealing away love from your significant other's love tank if you don't keep that perspective in mind. Also, I think it's important to continue dating and continue falling in love and connecting because as the years go on, you change as people. Yeah, that's a great and point. And so one day, if you're not, you know, if you're not continuing to make this effort, one day you're going to wake up and not know the person beside you. And so, go ahead. No, I, so I just wanted to to butt in a little bit. Sorry about that. I I kind of hmm, I kind of did that myself over the past. I would say couple years I realized that I had kind of taken a bit of a backseat when it came to dating Marissa and I hadn't really kept those things in the forefront of my mind and so I started doing these things day in and day out that made me go huh like I would get her a drink and she's like oh I haven't gotten this drink in so long I don't even like it anymore mm-hmm. or I made like a dinner or I would make something or buy her something and she's like oh this isn't really my taste anymore or I don't really like that anymore and every day I was just thinking to myself huh that's that's strange because no matter how long you've been together with somebody, you you kind of look as you look at the relationship almost as like a continuum, like mm-hmm. it's linear. There's just oh, I started dating, we got married, and now they're gonna love these things forever. But there's so many more nuance to a relationship that I think you really have to you really have to respect and love and cherish. That way, you can like you're saying grow with your spouse rather than getting left behind in the dust. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't have to be overwhelming or expensive. Sometimes the littlest efforts make the biggest difference, especially when life gets busy. And if you guys are needing um, date ideas, we are doing a date your spouse challenge on Instagram where every other week we are sharing a date idea, um, mostly free, always easy. We just really want you guys to be inspired to connect with your spouse, dive deeper. And so we're kind of sharing different dates that we do or we've done. And yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there in case maybe you're like, well, you know, I've been with this person for so long. I feel like we've done everything together. Like what new is there? Um, I just thought it'd be kind of a fun idea to throw in. Yeah. Kind of just how to spice things up. And mm-hmm. I think that sometimes the best dates or date ideas Things that you can do with your spouse are the simple ones. It doesn't have to yeah. be something super extravagant. That can also be a way you can show that you're thinking about somebody or you dedicated time and financial resources to put work towards something. But you can have just as much fun and connection going on a nature walk or a hike, going to the beach, whatever it might be. There's lots of lots of experiences and, and growth and development that can be had through dates just like that. So moving on to the next point, I know not everyone shares the same beliefs um, that we do, but we are Christians. And so the next note that we wrote is you can't do it without God. Mm -hmm. And just to kind of give some context to this point, we were dating and we had a conversation with a family friend and they kind of talked to us about like the idea of relationships and marriage and um, how God, how that applies to like our faith in God and everything. And so he drew out this triangle. Can I explain it? Can yeah, I explain Yeah, it? go ahead. Ooh, okay. This this just excites me. I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but... No, Chase references oh, this all the time. This, 
this blew my mind. It was so revolutionary to the way that I just perceived a relationship because at that point, I do have to admit, I was a rather lukewarm Christian when it came to my faith. And no, I don't always do the right things now, or I don't always pursue God as much as I should, just like I think everybody. Mm-hmm. But in that, in that, at that time, rather, I do think that I was a bit more, uh, st- I can't say stagnant now, but my faith wasn't uh, as, as front and center. And when my friend explained this and drew this out, just... So, okay, triangle, right? There's three points to a triangle, if you can just picture it, because I can't draw it on a friggin' podcast. There's a lower left, lower right, and like the peak, right, in the center. So if you imagine that the lowest points in the corners are you and your spouse, and then the pinnacle, the absolute peak, that point is God or your relationship with God, right? So you have these points And as you're drawing the lines that connect the points, that's like how you're progressing in your relationship and your walk with Christ, right? So let's say my line is getting longer and longer and longer, but my wife's is kind of lagging behind. So now I'm good with God. I'm walking with Christ and and increasing my kind of spirituality and fellowship with God, while instead of my wife doing the same thing, she's getting left behind. And instead of us moving perpendicularly towards God, towards something greater than ourselves, one of us is ahead while the other one is kind of behind. And we're not going to succeed in our lives nearly as much as we otherwise would have if we were both just God-fearing Christians. And I think that's something so important to think about if you are a man, a woman of faith, is that that triangle cannot be completed unless both people move in unison with one another towards God, right? Because if you think about that, imagine that like if I'm moving towards God and my wife isn't or vice versa, and the my line or whoever's line that is not following along with Christ is not being filled, mm-hmm. it's just going to continue to get bounced back to the very bottom. It's not going to move with that other person. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a very long winded way of explaining it, but. So basically to sum it up, as you draw closer to God individually, you draw closer together as a couple. Oh yeah. I mean, so you make it sound like I totally missed the point. That's a problem. I get so passionate that the points that I'm trying to make gets lost within all of this just fluff. So yes, like Marissa said, that um, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to be a dead horse. Considering I already feel like I talked for like ten minutes on this, but we can move on to the next thing, Marissa. Okay, so the next point is that you don't have to have your life perfectly built and put together right away. You don't need your house perfectly furnished or perfectly curated and decorated. And this um, was a hard one for me because I put so much pride into making a home for Chase and I. But, you know, looking back now, some of our favorite memories are the nights that we spent eating pizza or spaghetti on the floor because we didn't have a dining room table. Take that time to really appreciate those moments. Appreciate the times that you have with your spouse where things are not may be perfect or things aren't ideal. You might not have the nicest car. You might not have the perfect furniture or the perfect ring, the perfect clothes, whatever it might be. And just cherish the moments that you share with one another. Mm-hmm. Cherish what you have, not what you, uh, not, not to focus on what you don't have, but focus on what you do have. Because those are the times that we even look back on and think are our fondest memories. We'll sit here and chuckle about the times where we were eating full meals on our countertop when we first moved into the house mm-hmm. in California because we didn't get a dining room table until just recently. I mean, it's it's those times that are kind of quirky and maybe a little bit heartbreaking or funny, loving, whatever the emotion might be in those times where, you know, we we think back to those moments and and uh, there's something special regardless uh, to that. So yeah, don't don't be in a hurry to get out of kind of the journey of it all just because you have this strict idea of what the end state is. Yeah, enjoy the growth, enjoy the process. You know, these are the stories that you're going to be telling your kids and grandkids, you know, look where we're at now, but this is where we came from. This is where we started. And like Chase mentioned, we were eating dinner on counters in California <laughs> because we didn't have a kitchen table until we got here in Quantico. And you know, sometimes I miss those dinners on the counter. Absolutely. And that's just man, all this to say that there's beauty 
and fun to be had in those moments. So don't go out and put yourself in a poor financial situation or moral situation just for something that's shiny and new, something that you think might make your life easier, make your friends go, wow, they have it all put together. And like that stuff doesn't matter. Any sort of societal norms or pressures, things that are from uh, you know, your parents or your friends, stuff that says that you have to have it all together, you don't. You don't, especially if you're listening you're a young married couple. You don't have to have anything together but the love for your spouse. Everything else can just fall into place once it kind of happens. You know, one of my favorite memories is in our very first house in California. Downstairs, all we had was a couch and a TV, and we would host, like, get-togethers with our friends. And I remember one specific night we had a movie night, and we had all of our friends, I think about, like, four or five people – plus us two piled up onto our couch to watch a movie together. And it was just so sweet. So shout out to our friends who would like come over and all we had was a couch. Yeah, y'all really stuck it through with us. And it's not like any of us were small people. I mean, you're five foot eight, I'm six foot five, our buddy's six foot two. You know, we all were massive humans just mm-hmm. hanging out on this, cha- uh, this couch in a chase uh, lounge um, chair, chase lounge. What the heck are those things called? The chase? Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Anyways, one of us was laying on an ottoman. It was a whole thing, but... Yeah, that it's so funny you mentioned that. And see, look, that's a perfect example. I mean, we're sitting here laughing and reminiscing about that. It's don't rob yourself of those moments. Sometimes the most simple of things turn into your most cherishable moments. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's if if you take anything away from from that, just enjoy it. Enjoy it and and love one another through those times. Make do with what you have. Number nine is you are each other's home and family. Regardless of what is going on around you, find comfort in knowing you have each other. So when you say I do, you're truly committing yourself through this sacred bond to one another. And I actually wanted to share some, um, I, I wanted to share a Bible verse that I think illustrates this point. And that was Genesis chapter two, verse 24 And there is a bit more to it. Verses 21 to 24 illustrates this point in full. But I I really love, really, really love verse 24. It says, quote, Therefore a man leaves his father and his mother and cleaves to his wife and they become one flesh. End quote. Like that's that's such a beautiful Mm -hmm. concept that it doesn't matter how much love that you've been given by your parents. It doesn't matter who was or wasn't in your life. Once you say I do to your significant other, you are now one and everything else melts away. You have an opportunity to start over. It's a clean slate. You can bring forth whatever traditions you were taught or you can totally just object to or neglect any sort of negativity, volatility, or absence that was in your family. It, I, I'm, I'm smiling right now because it warms my heart thinking that the your parents, your grandparents, so on and so forth, are not the end all be all for your your family, for you, for your legacy. No matter what kind of horrible things or beautiful things you came from, you have the ability to to do better. You have the ability to carry on. You have the ability to reinvent the wheel or or break the cycle, so to speak. And that's something that's so powerful to me. No, it really is beautiful that you leave the family you come from to start a new family with your spouse. And you can look at it um, two different ways, really. One, maybe you came from a really rough childhood. Maybe you have a lot of family trauma there. Well, now you have this fresh, clean slate to start over, build a new legacy, build new memories, new experiences with this family that you're creating with your your husband or your wife. Or maybe you came from a beautiful, happy, loving, nurturing family, and maybe now you're a military family living away from your family, and there's a lot of homesickness and loneliness there. Well, now you can find comfort in the home and family that you're building with one another. It's incredibly comforting thinking that none of it matters, right? Mm-hmm. Like not not that your scars, your pain, the experiences that you have with your family or with those who are close to you, um, not that that stuff doesn't matter, but the fact that however you deal with that or however you don't deal with that, 
um, has no real bearing on your family if you don't allow it to mm-hmm. penetrate the walls of your own home, if that makes any sense. Like yeah, that's yeah. that that's something that I think is is so powerful and it should be so oh, what's what's the word? Self motivating for for anybody who's listening to this who has had a kind of rough go throughout life, whether it is just based on individual circumstances or if there has been some sort of family dynamic that may have not been the most fruitful. And don't feel guilty if your priorities and focus start to shift from the family you came from to now the family that you're building. Yeah, they should. They absolutely should. Because if you think about it, as a child all the way into your teens, you have some form of dependency on your parents. It doesn't matter whether or not you have a job or if you get an apartment, there is going to be some level of tie to your family or to your parents rather until you until you branch out on your own as an adult and then the moment that you are married or in a long committed relationship however you define this thing whatever that looks like for you once you enter into that specifically marriage that's when you start to break away from the old family and now you're coming into your own with the new and that's not to say that you abandon your mother, your father, your grandpa, your grandma, so on. But that is to say you shouldn't feel guilt. You shouldn't feel shame for nurturing your house. And that's something I can't stand. I can't stand it when it's your family especially who is making you feel guilty for not taking a trip out during the holidays or making more of an effort to sacrifice your own family's identity or comfort or whatever it might be to see them. And it's it's frustrating to see. And I, I wish that I wish that families would understand a bit more, especially when it comes to being a young married couple, a military couple, kind of what those things look like and the efforts that it takes to sustain a family, to grow a family. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I, I never quite understood that. And I hope that as we kind of continue to grow as as a society and the more people hopefully kind of adopt the similar mindsets the more this sort of we outgrow that i guess yeah i mean i feel like we're confident in what we're saying now but i'm sure it'll be hard for us when we're parents and our kids are spreading their wings and leaving the nest you know it's a process for everyone involved but um yeah i don't know yeah i i get that it is definitely easier to kind of judge or critique uh, when you're not in that position or when mm-hmm. maybe when you haven't gone through that before. So obviously we're speaking from very inexperienced positions, but it's just one of those things that I have so much love in my heart now and so much grace. And I feel like the both of us have grown towards a more positive and fruitful existence, mm-hmm. I guess, or like relationships. So it's hard for me to think that with my kids or my grandkids, I will, especially, I guess rather kids, that I would harbor any sort of like negativity. I get being kind of slighted or maybe you are disappointed, but to have some uh, like sort of animosity or grudge towards your children, that's more what I'm speaking towards. Like that doesn't, it doesn't jive with me. That doesn't click that you, you raise them to leave you at one point and to be independent. And then when they exercise that independence and when they start to kind of grow their family, instead of being proud of that and maybe seeing like your own reflection through that and their own creativity, their own individuality, mm-hmm. you're spiteful of that. That's something that I think you and I both agree. We've had lots of conversations about this where yeah. I, it doesn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. So um, at, at any rate, uh, if you're listening to this and you've ever felt that kind of guilt, that kind of shame, whether it's inflicted from family or just mm-hmm. from your own inner consciousness, um, just try try not to feel that way because you are well within your right uh, to to protect your family, to nurture your family, and to grow uh, your house. And this this is one of those things where I want to remind you you're not alone, especially mm-hmm. yeah. military families. I know we feel this hard when it comes to leave and where you're going to spend the holidays and all those things. Um, I just want to encourage you that you know you're not alone and you know what's best for your family. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. 
So moving on to number 10, we have have a plan. Be spontaneous, be bold, but don't be unprepared. Life throws nasty curveballs and you have to do your best to prepare for all of them. Just like you said, there's no issue with being spontaneous. I mean, I myself am pretty off the cuff. I I can plan when I need to. And I think the military has definitely helped me adapt to being a lot more of a planner, to being, uh, you know, kind of the devil is in the details. And my experience has taught me that. Shoot, I mean, just life in the military teaches you that because you have to plan for the unexpected and, and have be a backup pre- plan. Yeah, be prepared for everything. Have a backup, a secondary, tertiary, a quadduciary, whatever even that word would be. Um, but you know, you for example, you are a meticulous planner. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if I was going through the house one day and I had this. You had this book of life where it showed everything you're doing on every single day for your whole life and then the exact day you're dying. And that was true because that's just how in the weeds you Mm -hmm. get with detail. And the thing is, is that when you're somebody like me who is a little bit more free flow, willy nilly off the cuff, it's not that it's not that you just have a reckless abandonment for structure. It's that you can kind of adapt and improvise, but always in the back of your mind, there is a backup plan. So if you just make a, a trip, you're like, oh, I let's go up to this place for the weekend and spend the night and go camping or do whatever it is that you want to do, you're going to have to have a plan for if that falls through. So if the roads are snowy or there's bad weather conditions, The whatever the case might be, if it's traveling, you have to have another plan to spend that time with your spouse. Or you have to have kind of almost subcategories and sub-contingency plans within the main plan, if that makes sense. So if you're going to fly in to see your parents or something and you are planning for like your mom to pick you up, if she got a flat tire the day of, like when you land, you got to know, okay, here's the rental car places. This is where they, uh, this is the time they close. And that's something I think that I'm, I'm actually really good at. If you give me a, an itinerary or if I have to develop a, a trip or something like that, I can plan out stops. I can plan out the secondary and third and the, you know, the third um, kind of options when it comes to when things go wrong. And that's, imperative when it comes to anything in life, really. It doesn't matter if it's in your relationship or individually. You should always, always have a plan, a backup, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And I want to pull this conversation out a bit to be more big picture. You and your spouse need to sit down and have a plan for career, dreams, family planning. You guys need to sit down and work together to come up with these plans. That way you can... you can come together and work as a team because if you don't have a plan and you just kind of say, well, you know, 20 years down the road, mm-hmm. I would like to do this or yeah. do this, but you don't like discuss it and you don't have like an action plan, right. you're just going to walk around aimlessly. Yeah. It's just like defining the roles within your house or within your your husband and wife mm-hmm. monikers, titles. It's the same kind of concept. You should be intentional about where you want to be in 10, 20, 30 years. You should give some real thought and insight into how you're going to buy that house in the future or where you're going to settle down. These things are, are conversations that need to be had. You you can be like me and be off the cuff, kind of a free spirit in certain aspects, but you owe it to your partner to respect the severity of those decisions to where you are constantly making that effort, being purposeful and intentional. So those are things that definitely matter when it comes to having a plan for sure. Especially if you guys are a fellow military family, because now you have this outside force or factor that is determining so much Mm -hmm. of your life. Well, what happens if now that's not like it just goes away. Maybe your spouse is getting out and that was unexpected. Well, now you don't have a plan. Yeah. And not only that, but so I'm in the Marine Corps and a lot of the times when we as Marines get stationed, we get orders someplace or we get a certain job that's kind of just thrown our way and we have to to abide by it. We have to which do this thing. To us, yeah. yeah, which happened to us. We often say it's like the needs of the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing in the military that you have to be prepared for is you are serving the institution. You are serving a bigger kind of machine. Like you're a cog in the machine and you're basically dictated uh, two on where you're going to go, if that makes any sort of sense. So if you think, oh, 
I'm going to be a pilot and do this here and there, and we're going to settle down here. Just in the military, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say that's not a thing, like you can't plan long term, but there is a bit more nuance and complexity, and you do have to be able to kind of think on your feet a little bit and have those backup plans mm-hmm. and those third, uh, you know, those tertiary plans as well. I really want to start transitioning into our last point, number 11, because even though we saved it for the last, it truly is the most important, and that is get your finances in order. Create a budget, stick to it, live within your means, and hold each other accountable. Look, money isn't everything, y'all, but just like it feels like every point that we've discussed today, um, it's important that you don't allow outside friction and conflicts to seep their way into your marriage because being a young married couple being a married military couple being what add whatever add whatever titles or nuance that you want to your relationship that is going to have enough stress enough conflict enough anger fear just all of these different, like a whirlwind of emotions and things that you're going to have to figure out. And having poor financial management can be another unnecessary hardship that it, it puts an unnecessary strain on your family. I mean, there we've all heard that the primary cause for divorce is finances, mm-hmm. right? Like poor ma- money management. And that's just something that's completely avoidable. We're all, (laughs) everyone's going to make financial mistakes, right? We all know the answers to the test, but not everybody has been kind of, you know, brought up on the practicality of it all. If your family hasn't sat you down and ran you through a budget and you haven't gone through some of these things, you're not going to know how to apply it. You might have read Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. Spoiler alert, not everybody uses that stuff. Not everybody knows how to knows how to apply that practically. And I'm speaking from experience because I didn't listen to a word of it, right? I knew the information, but I couldn't apply it. I couldn't analyze and critically think about what that meant to me. And therefore, I made some financial mistakes. And that's going to happen to everyone in some form or fashion when it comes to finances and really any mistake. You have to, if you don't have that experience, you have to understand the information, and honestly, just do the best you can in navigating throughout your life. Yeah, and if you're listening to this and you're like, "Well, man, it's too late. I've already made you know these terrible <laughs> financial decisions," it's not too late. Mm-hmm. Sit down with your spouse and identify who's the saver, who's the spender, who's going to be the best one to organize the budget. Because this was something that Chase and I had to learn. We at first, I didn't want anything to do with finances. I didn't want to do it. Like, give me money, I'll go shopping. That's all I wanted. <laughs> But then we realized I'm actually a better organizer. So now I take care of the budget. And that that honestly alleviated a lot of stress, a lot of confusion for the both of us. And also, I want to tell you, don't feel embarrassed to have these conversations. Don't feel embarrassed to admit that you have, you're having financial problems or maybe financial insecurities or there's just there's things that need to be ironed out. And don't don't be embarrassed if you don't even know how to create a budget or anything about finances. You know, Chase and I both came from very frugal families. We were always taught, you know, save your money, um, spend less than, or save, what is it? Save more than you spend? Save more than you spend, yep. Yeah. yeah. And our families are going to be listening in on this and they're going to be so confused on why we're talking about how we've had so much, so many financial problems. But the truth is, even though we knew to live within our means, we didn't understand the practicality of it. We didn't know how, like, what does that mean? We thought, okay, well, we can afford this payment, so it's fine if we finance this this big purchase, right? Mm-hmm. Well, no. If you just because you can afford the payment doesn't mean you can afford that whatever it is, the car, the furniture, whatever. So if you can't buy something outright, you can't afford it. Yeah, and wow, that was that was a great just summary of of all the things finances. Um, so I, I want to start with the most recent thing you just said and kind of walk back because you address mm-hmm. a lot of things, and I want to kind of add my two cents to it. So when it comes to living um, within your means, that's such a common phrase we hear. And to me, the more that I've kind of grown and I, I learn about myself and about finance, I think it's something that almost seems like misquoted because yeah. you truthfully should be living as well far below. below your means, right, as you can tolerate. I mean, I'm not saying like you should lit, like build a cabin in the woods and not have running water and and wipe with leaves. But I mean, if you can get away with certain 
without certain creature comforts and without certain things in your life, do that. If you can scale back your expenses by 10%, whatever, you don't go out as much, this, that, I mean, that's great. And then save as much as you possibly can. So I, I think that's that's number one. Um, number two, when you get into uh, a, a sticky financial situation, and I say when because it will happen. It will happen. It just that's the nature of things. Um, when that happens to you, don't feel embarrassed. Don't be ashamed of that. It's, I don't want to say it's natural because that sounds really strange, but it's part of life. There's a lot of interesting things when it comes to the world of finance and you can get caught up in the glitz and glamour of marriage or that new car or I don't know. Especially uh, you, with the culture that we live in today. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. When when you see all these things on social media and there's everything you do or don't do is scrutinized. You're trying to please other people or or Keep show up with off. The Joneses, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But don't don't feel ashamed when you may fall short in some some way or, or another when it comes to money. It's totally fine if you. If you took out a loan and it was a poor decision, if you have too high of an APR on something, there's no shame in that, okay? Just learn from it. Just learn from it. That's number two. Number three, and I feel like I'm kind of forgetting what the heck I was about to say because you just had so much good information. Um, When it comes to... um, Oh, that's what it was. When it comes to roles, it goes. I feel like everything goes back to defining roles in a in a relationship and in your marriage. When it comes to who's the saver, the spender, who should be doing the budget. Even when Marissa was talking, I I had this knee jerk reaction of of defensiveness and feeling this need to kind of justify the the times I hadn't been good at saving or with mm-hmm. the budget. Don't feel that way, mm-hmm. or. I don't want to say don't feel that way. Try to engage in a healthier uh, way of thinking. And what I mean by that is be honest. Be honest, be vulnerable, because if you're just not good at it or if you've tried time and time again to write up a budget to try and mm-hmm. control yourself and be frugal, I mean, you might have to just admit to yourself and your spouse, hey, I mean, either you need to be doing this or we need to do it together. I need to leave my card at home. I just can't seem to really get things under control. And you have to be honest about that because it doesn't make sense to pretend to be something you're not. If you strictly cannot learn and cannot seem to control yourself or do something that is positive for your relationship, it's best to put that in the hands of your spouse who can handle it better or to come to the table and say, look, I need some help. I, I need your your input, your your kind of perspective on this. Can you you think we could just sit down every Monday and go through this together or kind of come up with a plan that works? Yeah, it takes a lot of self-reflection and honesty. And I think well, that's true for anything in marriage. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, is that I think that's it. That's that, everything. That's the episode. Holy cow. I mean, shoot, I it feels like brief, but at the same time we've been We've been going on for you know about an hour, but I feel like we could create a whole Netflix series on each individual thing that we talked about because oh, we really could. I, yeah, there's like there's so much to it, and man, I'm getting kind of emotional. I've I've been kind of holding back like tears and laughter and screams this whole time because it's not like this is just stories or anecdotes mm-hmm. from other people's lives, but we live this. You know, this is the first time that we have really sat down with one another and talked about this stuff because, I mean, we have it written on our notes, but we weren't, we didn't have this kind of wherewithal, uh, you know, reflective capacity that we have now because now we are on the up and up. We are now on the other side of some of those things. And man, it's, it's a lot to take in. Yeah. It makes me emotional because as we mentioned in the beginning of the episode, We wrote these notes in a notebook as sort of a reflection on our first wedding anniversary. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like reading these and knowing what we were going through at that time and the feelings that we were feeling and all of the the things that we were trying to overcome, like it just, it makes me really emotional. But it also, on the flip side, it makes me happy and proud to see that we've grown and matured so much even since then. Yeah, I'm overwhelmed with emotion. I'm incredibly proud of 
of who we are today. Mm-hmm. We came from very humble beginnings individually, and uh, and we've we've gone through a lot. We've gone through a lot to get to where we are today. But this is also the first time that we've really shared with anyone how hard that first year of marriage was on us. No, we we haven't spoken a word of this to man to anybody. So anybody who listens to this, this is the first time that everyone's hearing anything about, uh, you know, kind of the struggles of our first year. Yeah. And this is just very surface level, you guys. We just really wanted to kind of, I don't know, open up the floor, like I said, to get to know us on a more personal level. And also I feel like this is a really good inclination of like what's to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, just like we had illustrated, I think, pretty extensively in the very first episode, which if you haven't listened to our introduction, please go ahead, give it a listen. Uh, It goes into much greater detail than we can cover now. Um, I I think that this just kind of adds to the whole uh, purpose that we have uh, behind this podcast and how we just want to really create something for the listener to um, not just hear kind of our stories or our perspectives, but so they can either take something away and learn and grow in their own life, or they can connect to people who, who do have the answers. Because I I mean, again, even through going through all of the things we outlined today, there are people who have been in much worse circumstances, much better circumstances. And, um, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it's not a one size fits all, but I, I do think that we've been through quite a bit and, and I, I'm hoping that at least one person can come to this and uh, find something beneficial, find a, a partner, find, find a community that can get behind them and help them in, in their own time of need or, uh, or help them triumph through whatever obstacle it is. But with all that being said, uh, thank you guys so much for, for sticking through to the very end. Um, down below in the description is all of our social medias platforms. And, um, you know, we don't, we don't have those down there because we really care about an audience. Um, we have those there because we want to hear from you guys. We want critiques. We want to know what you guys want to hear in the future, because at the end, this is really for you. It's a labor of love to not only, uh, kind of talk about what we've gone through and to, to to have something to listen back on, but it's more so for the benefit of you guys listening. So uh, if you haven't already, review the podcast. Um, you know, leave it a four or five star, four five ooh, star, five star. Okay. If listen, I get it. Not everybody is going to want to leave a five star. Um, please just try try to review it and and leave it a five star rating. And then provide, you know, leave uh, comments on our posts or our YouTube channel, just asking us questions or giving us ideas. Because, like I said, again, this is this is for you guys, and uh, and at the very least, somebody should have kind of the answers to whatever it is you're looking into. But um, yeah, and if you're new around here, we do like to close out every podcast episode with prayer. Uh, we do. We hope that we get prayer requests in, and we've asked for this in our first episode, and we actually have two prayer requests, one that was specifically sent in to us, and then the other one is somebody who has been a longtime viewer of our YouTube channel, has been a champion of the Chase and Marissa experience, has commented on every video, I think. I mean, they've really... She's commented on a lot. She's been such an encouragement and support, and she's a newlywed. She's a military wife, and her husband actually recently deployed. I mean, honestly, soon after their Mm -hmm. wedding. Right after. um, Knowing that, she's just been on my heart and on my mind, and I've been praying over her, and I thought we could pray over her together as a a community. Yeah, so um, I guess without any further ado, let's go ahead and close this thing out. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for everything that you've provided us to get us to this point. We've gone through quite a bit in our life, and I know that all of those obstacles, all of the anxiety and the fear that we may have experienced was all for a grander purpose. It was to serve you. And through that, through those struggles, you've continued to provide us strength. And I'd like to think that we are glorifying you through uh, those triumphs over um, you know, those struggles. And God, we we have people in our lives that are struggling. We have someone 
who is going through um, you know, a, a rough spell of anxiety. And, uh, and we know that that's just the enemy trying to latch on, to take hold, to divert her attention from your glory and her relationship with you. And God, we just ask for you to give her strength and comfort and just wrap your arms around her so she knows that she is not alone, that this fight is is not just on her uh, uh, and, and, and that you're there for her uh, through it all. So provide her that comfort and, uh, and give her a hand that she can latch uh, onto. And, uh, and Lord, we also have someone who has been such an av- uh, advocator for, uh, for us individually and has been a huge support. Um, and, and she has been, um, you know, her husband is deployed now and she is, she's not alone in that Lord. She, we know that you were there for her, uh, through this whole journey. And we ask that you give her strength and give her comfort, fill her home so she can feel your presence. She knows that she's not alone. And, uh, and, and I pray that her husband is able to make it home safe from, whatever it is that he is doing um, overseas and that they are able to come together once again uh, to form um, that union that you created for us to reflect uh, your love and, and the love of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, guys, once again, thank you so much for listening. If you made it to the end, you are truly just, you're awesome, okay? We, we love you guys so much and we can't wait to bring you the next episode.